0: Welcome to The Sober Podcast, brought to you by The Sober Network. We're revolutionizing the treatment industry by creating its own token economy and much more. Get ready to hear fresh ideas in an industry that has relied on dated interventions for decades. We're helping a new generation of substance users who are digital natives, and our technology expertise is resulting in impactful social change. We understand how to get things done. We walk the walk. Our multiple award-winning platforms have proven that technology, coupled with incentivized human accountability, produces measurable, positive outcomes. Let's get started.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Welcome to the show. This is uh, Howie Marlin. I'm your host on the, um, the SoberCast podcast brought to you by the Sober Network. And uh, today is December 6th. It's actually getting a little chilly out where I am up here in New England. Uh, But my guest with me today is Yasmin Sorte, correct? Am I pronouncing that right? Yes. And Yasmin, who are you and what do you do for a living and why are you here?
0: Well, uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, So my name is Yasmin and I began a consulting agency about a year ago, where I am a family consultant, I work with families, individuals, and really address issues within the system, um, whether it's crisis management, family therapy, um, any kind of family workshop. So um, I've been doing that for about a year now.
1: And how did how is it you found now you describe this? Now, say it again, you're 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 a family system, family family.
0: consultant,
1: family consultant, and explain what that is in better detail.
0: Sure. So when I first started thinking of creating my business, I looked at current definitions in the field: Uh, therapist, coach, interventionist, and looked at the concept of a consultant that really fit more of what I was planning to do. Um, Because you know, to quote. To quote uh, an author, Peter Block, he was an influential writer and consultant in industrial organizational psychology. Um, He defined it as someone who has influence over an individual group or organization, but has no direct authority to implement change. And that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to lean into a family, be able to provide my guidance, be able to provide a network, a fantastic network of the world's top leading providers and solutions that families can grasp, they can lean in on, lean into and take steps that are well-informed, that they feel good about and that they're clear around. So, you know, so I don't really, I, I do incorporate, I do have my master's in social work. I have worked in the field for about 13 years And I worked at one of the world's leading treatment centers and I learned, I really got my legs there from really standing on the shoulders of giants um, that came before me. And, you know, from there, I really formulated what I think families needed that they weren't currently receiving.
1: I love that you said that you provide what families need that kept them from proceeding. Mm. It's interesting that that's the very last thing you said now. Um, I'm a therapist as well, and I do a lot of family work. I, I help people, and I do a lot of interventions, which is literally motivating people to seek uh, assistance when, they're, mm-hmm. quite frankly, not not into it. But mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say that you are actually a professional motivator?
0: Potentially, Um I think, I mean, potentially, I don't know if that's, I don't know how motivating I am. I do utilize motivational interviewing in my approach and I do aim to inspire. I do aim to encourage and help provide hope to others. Because I think without hope, you really don't have anything to hang on to. And my personal belief, just from my upbringing, and really all I've learned in my years in the field, is that there's always hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And there's always a solution. So really, the question is, how do we Discover the solution. And I think right now, even our, our industry is so siloed, right? A therapist has their relationship over here, and then there's the psychiatrist over here, and then there's mom has her therapist, and they're all very much removed from one another. So what I'm trying to do is really pull it in and anchor all of that, all of that work that's being done and move it in a direction where the entire system can heal together. Because, you know, how many times have we, you know, heard the story of, um, you know, son or daughter gets sober, they come back home, they're feeling good, they're strong, and mom and dad are still a wreck because they're traumatized from the addiction. So as the patient or the client or the identified person who might be overcoming or struggling through an addiction, there is a parallel process of addiction that the parents or families go through with the client. So you know, and I think a lot of times the families are forgotten in that. We, we don't realize how profound that is, but everybody comes from a social context. So in order to treat, you know, Jimmy, we have to treat his system. We have to treat the context and allow them with the tools and information and um and just insight that they can understand what this new way of living looks like. So really what I try to do is help families lean, in, lean into not just to respond to and heal from the parallel process of addiction, but really lean into a parallel process of recovery.
1: Uh, That is perfect. Um, I've got to tell you, you and I are like minded I long, long, long ago realized that the identified patient or the person in the family where all the attention was was Mm -hmm. just one cog in the family wheel. The Mm -hmm. spoke of the family and things get tripped up. Sometimes we don't put enough grease. Sometimes we don't tighten up the other gears. And the thing is, all of these things are intertwined. You've got this system, much like a Swiss watch, where all the independent variables of how the family is affecting each other, what Junior and what little Missy does and how Dad reacts and how Mom reacts, are all intimately related. And when we segregate an individual and focus on them, we may be able to provide guidance in a system to them,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then, what about the system as a whole?
0: Right.
1: You put them back. Go ahead. What came to mind? What you were? What were you about? Well, it came.
0: What came to mind is how disruptive it can be also, because we're also, you know, I've never met a family member that had the intention of harming. I've never had a client that says, oh, yes, I'm I'm going to wake up this morning and ruin my life and hurt the people closest to me. Our intentions, unfortunately, is not what matters. It's our actions. It's our behaviors. And that's really what I try to focus on. Um Really, you know, what are you doing today to demonstrate a different tomorrow? Um, So, you know, there are many times that we'll have Jimmy come home for the holidays and hey, mom and dad, I'm sober. I'm doing great. In the meantime, it's been done in a vacuum. So mom and dad don't really know what that means or what that looks like. And Jimmy expects mom and dad to kind of start from square run and forget everything that happened in the past. And what I encourage families and clients to consider and think about is that it's okay if they don't trust you. You don't have, supporting them doesn't mean you trust them. Supporting them is much, very different than admitting that, uh, being dishonest with yourself and with your loved one. You know, I went to a meeting once and I heard this uh, this guy he um he got he was getting his one year chip and I'll never forget this. He said, you know, I've been sober for a year and my wife still doesn't trust me, but it's OK because I don't lie to her anymore. And that's where I try to get families to where there will be a time that you will he will earn that trust back. And that's OK, because he's got his program that helps him do that, that helps him cross this bridge into this man or woman of integrity. And, you know, and moral, moral inventory. And I mean, every people I know in addiction, they might have incredibly dark pasts, but they're, but the people in recovery that make it over that line are some of the most impressive and, you know, truly upstanding individuals I've ever met. And I have the utmost respect for anyone who challenges themselves to get sober, to take a step into the unknown and try to make, make their lives better.
1: It takes a lot of talent to do that. No, it's not. All these different chess pieces.
0: Mm. Absolutely.
1: A lot of times I do think of how I'm going to speak to one particular individual in the family with the secondary effect in mind. What is he or she going to say to their husband or wife or to, a child or the client and how is that going to affect them? Um, that's really, it, it, it's impressive and I can appreciate it. Um, so in the business that you have right now, you focused on this for a year, but mm-hmm. you've been a therapist for how long?
0: Well, I've had my master's in social work for years and um, I, I, Basically, that the center I worked for for the last 13 years um, was, you know, truly the most profound experience I could have ever asked for because I was able to lean into so many different roles and, you know, do groups, do family workshops and, and do therapy, but also look at the whole, you know, I don't use the word case management. I use care management because we're really managing the care around the individual this isn't a case this is you know a a cocoon that we're trying to um help families feel safe in and protected and held so um when i started working in the field i was wearing so many different hats and I just absorbed as much as I could and learned from really the best in the industry and a standard that I think is above most in many ways. So when I left, I I thought, okay, I had to I had to leave because we moved. My family moved up north. Um, And when we moved, I said, okay, what am I going to do next? I miss the people. I miss the stories. I miss being able to be a part of somebody's life when they're most vulnerable, when they're most scared. And provide safety and provide honesty, you know, not tell them what they want to hear, but tell them what they need to hear. Those have been some of the most exciting, impactful conversations and relationships I've had because they're based on, you know, holding up a mirror to something that you haven't want to look at for a long time.
1: Well, you've certainly touched on something I'm so familiar with, and that's holding up that mirror talking about things they need to hear. Um, Is there anything that stands out that you can, that you'd want to share a challenge that you were able to overcome? Is there a particular situation which shocked you and,
0: and that helped? Oh my gosh, every single individual and every family I've worked with, it's absolutely new. I, I am shocked that I have not had the same family twice or the same experience twice Um, there are, I mean, really for me, this is heart. This is all heart. I love the people I work with. I love people in recovery and I love the families trying to recover. I mean, honestly, there's a piece of myself in that as well. When I, you know, I was the same. I look at these families as I was in my twenties when I was struggling, when I was alone and I needed somebody to hold me and, and, show me the solution. And I had people around that, that did that. But what I'm trying to do today is something that isn't, that hasn't been done that hasn't been around um, in the way that I might've needed it. So, you know, there's one woman that um, I remember I worked with in Florida and she had been through 29 treatment centers and at two months, she always that was when the self-sabotage started coming. And that's when the underground behavior started coming. And we got into it. The groups that we had together, I ran a women's workshop and oh my, I love women. I love building up women. I help. I love helping women feel strong and empowered. And um, so I loved this group because it was a really strong, cohesive group of women who are really, you know abused, who were survivors, who were coming through and trying to find their voice when before that they didn't have one. So um, so we you, you know, we, me and this woman, just, we would go toe to toe every single day. It was just a back and forth of her trying to convince me that she was OK and me trying to hold up the mirror to her, not by saying it outright, but by creating an environment that demonstrates how her actions are inconsistent with what she's saying and her intentions. And it's not really how we how we lie to others. Really, the problem is how we how well we can lie to ourselves. Um, so those those experience I had with women along the way have been profound. Many of the families I've worked with and kept in touch with over the years have been like extended family to me, you know, once the care was over and, you know, those boundaries, you know, weren't as tight. Um, But most recently, when I started my business, when I really wasn't sure, okay, what do I do next? I really missed this part, but, you know, I'm I'm really good at this element. Uh, I had a family call me and they said, Yasmin, we need help. Um, I don't know who to turn to and we don't know what to do. And they asked me, can I, can you help me? And I said, yes, I can. And I knew how to do this. That's all. That's the only question I needed to answer. Yes, I can help you. And in that moment, I knew that this is what I was going to do. And that client and that family, I know would have got gone down a very long rabbit hole of missteps of bad treatment of wasted resources, time, money, where we were able to streamline a boy who was basically, you know, he was going through his first psychotic episode. So he was very mentally ill and the family was very much in denial. And at one point, you know, we said, okay, a therapist I was working with said, okay, I think this is as good as we're going to get. And I said, no, we're going to go all the way. And we're going to make sure he can live independently, where he'll have a life that he can feel proud of, that doesn't belong to his family, but belongs to him, that his mental health and his whatever diagnosis does not define him, that this isn't a period because the family see it at that. If they hear schizophrenia, they hear, oh, shit, that's a life sentence and we're done. You know, we think of horrible images of what severe mental illness is. But we know now that we can do more, that there's more out there where why not raise the bar? Why not see how far we can go to get people to the point that they can live their lives independently and secure in themselves? And, you know, he's starting school, he's working, and he's moving into his own place. Um, He does have a case manager down in Florida that really just kind of helps keep tabs on him. But it's a miracle, you know. Those are the miracles, which is why I never, I always take every experience with every client and every family member as a new one, because it's really about um, not what what have I done or what have we done, but what do we need to do and what can we do.
1: In the example you just gave, working with a family with someone who has a severe condition. Nothing Mm -hmm. transient, nothing situational, nothing chemical. It's an organic dysregulation. Mm -hmm. The innovations in medication over the last 20, 30 years, 40 years, have been nothing short of startling. Mm -hmm. I've been in the industry a long time, worked in a number of psych hospitals 40 years ago, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So I've seen the change. So I can listen to you and I understand very clearly how good it can be. But you need to have the whole family come on board because if you have one individual who's still thinking old school Mm. and everybody else is on board with new school, not only the medications, but the, um, IOPs, the uh, intensive outpatient work and how the case manager can work with people to, um, overcome obstacles before they become problematic.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Unless you've, everybody's on the same page, it can, it can make things more difficult. It can put hurdles where they don't belong. And these mm-hmm. obstacles for um, these obstacles, which impede the individual's personal growth, they're, they're not necessary because now we've found ways to overcome it. So that's wonderful. That That's really good. Um, so let me ask you, do you find yourself gravitating to folks who are having more um, organic depression and situation issues, or are you, Uh, have you been drawn into the substance abuse world and dealing with that?
0: Well, they really go hand in hand. Um, It's not like, you know, the 30 years ago when you had a hardcore heroin addict and they needed hardcore treatment and that's it. We're learning more about how trauma affects, you know, addiction and how mental health issues that really exist on a continuum from levels of severity um, how they really contribute to personality disorders. And um, and I think that when we can look at the entire person, because sometimes it's even the family context that exacerbates the symptoms. Um, you know, this one family that I mentioned, family was absolutely, would deny that there was an, any mental illness and they consistently wanted to pull him back to live at home. And I had to consistently go back. And these were very alpha men, Consistently go back to them and say, okay, play the tape through. You bring him home and then what? This is about you, not about him. So let's talk about what's going on with you. And I think that when we can look inwards, because no matter what, our own fears, our own, um, you know, ignorance or our, our own confusion contributes. And a lot of times families without even knowing it can be a part of the problem, not the solution. And that's when, uh, that's when it's, it can get tricky, but I, um, I believe in honesty. I believe in, you know, I'm okay with conflict. I'm okay with, you know, the narcissistic angry dad getting angry at me and who do you think you are and I'm like okay yeah let's go you know and it's okay because that's that's what we do right this is emotional it's personal we're going to lash out i almost want you to lash out i want you to bring it out because i can take it but we have to get there we have to get to that level that you've been running from your entire life so i go back to the family of origin i go back but one of the first questions i ask my family is My family's Or tell me about your family. Tell me about your dad. Tell me about your stepdad. Tell me about what it felt like. And I, more often than not, they haven't thought about it their entire lives. This is the first time that they're thinking about that 13-year-old boy that used to hide from dad because he was afraid that dad was going to yell at him or you know, spank him or come down on him in some way because the environment was that you weren't allowed to cry. You weren't allowed to feel. But I assure you, children are not do not come out that way. I have a five and a half year old and a two and a half year old. They are very emotional, very expressive. And, you know, in time, I think that we're very, you know, we're very sophisticated computer chips. Where over time we learn and we receive information that teaches us what's safe and what do I, you know, how do I respond to this? How do I get my needs met? It's a very sophisticated process that our bodies natural in our minds naturally do. So neurologically, we are experiencing it all the time and taking in that information. But what happens when? those behaviors that you learned as a kid that help you be on dad's good side and you know get taken care of no longer serve you when you're trying to recreate that dynamic with your own son and what kind of son are you raising and what kind of father is he going to be so really bringing all this to light sometimes is enough for them to say okay wait a minute I've got to look at this because I do see a thread that's connecting you know when it makes sense it's not I don't make this up I'm just telling you what I see and how it's all related. And it's really up to you if you want to um, do something with that. But I'll, you know, I'll, I respect my clients too much, not to give them honesty and and the truth.
1: Well, clearly it's working out for you. And I'm listening to you and I'm like a bobblehead. I'm sitting here going, (laughs) yes, yes. There's a couple of things that you spoke about, which are worth, um, Focusing on for a minute, and one is we do this for a living. We do this day in and day out. We see dysregulated people, dysregulation. We see uh, opposition, defiance, attitude, deflection, mm. all of the, all of the defense mechanisms. But to us, we're able to look past that. Where we get very focused, and we can deal with your energy. You can think that you're being aggressive or an assaultive, and otherwise hurt our feelings, but we know better. It's, you're not, you can't hurt my feelings about your situation. You know, I don't know your family or I may get to know your family to a degree, but I'm not part of your family. And what's nice about that is we bring that stability. We bring that vision of purpose. We share our intent. We spell it out. And we're rock solid when it comes to conflict. And they look at us and they imbue Confidence off of us we're calming also the other thing you spoke about was well i I opened with when we first started talking about you being a motivator now, I wasn't talking about motivational interviewing which is a style mm. of talking to get people to open up, but to inspire them and you inspire them with confidence you inspire them with understanding it's really interesting because when I'm working with a, a family and Either the mother or the father is very oppositional because they're afraid or their experience Mm. in the past didn't work out, so they're mistrusting. But I come off as supportive, and I'm reflecting what they're telling me accurately. They tend to relax and understand, well, it doesn't matter to me which way you go. I just want you to do it in a healthy way Mm. because it's your world and your life. And if we're talking about Junior or Little Miss and how it has not worked out beneficially in the past, here are the ideas that I share, and I do them with your goodwill in heart. This is Mm. for you. So by presenting as trustworthy, earning trust based on us being honest, reflecting what they're telling us in a compassionate way, and giving them a vision of the future, of Mm. inspiring them, you also said another thing, which gave me goosebumps. I tell people miracles happen every day and they happen every day in, in our line of work. We see it. People who have been defiant and argumentative and will never they posture. They never want to move. And then after a few sessions, family members get back to us and go, what did you say? Right. What did right. you do? And I go, right. I didn't do anything. All I did was open their heart.
0: Isn't that interesting how every time I get that feedback, you're amazing or whatever, you know, the, that really like, I can't believe you did that. I, I'm like, I didn't do anything. You know, really this is, it's creating this space yes. and, you know, these pieces It allows you, you are ready, you lean into it. I can't do the work for you, right? It's not, I wish I could, I wish I was that powerful, but I'm not. So if dad's getting angry at me and starting to yell at me, I'm like, Listen, I, I stopped I'm like, wait, what's going on right now? Because I don't matter. I'm not important. Why am I receiving this level of emotion from you? What is it that I'm saying that's bringing up something in you? And that's the opportunity. I'm really just a, a um, what's it called? A, a conduit. A, right. A conduit. For you to start to see yourselves and people have responses, right? We all, I look at you and I get a, I get a sense, I get a feeling and a sense of safety. When people look at me, they get their own impression. And I think all of that works together to create a fit to say, okay, I need to hear it from this person at this time. So the miracle is is that all of it lines up and that after 20 or 30 years, dad's finally ready to look at you know, himself and his anger. Um, I had one dad recently who I just love and admire because, you know, he he's had depression. He's been struggling with depression for the last 10 years. And he called himself Eeyore. And I said, what is, what is that? And he's like, that's just how I am. And I'm like, okay, I'm, we need to get a psychiatrist and you need to start looking at that. This man did not come from a background or any sort of upbringing that entertained psychiatry. And he did. I was able to work with the psychiatrist and lean in and say, okay, these is, this is what I'm seeing. This is what we're working on. This is my, you know, assessment. I'd love to know what you think. And then as professionals, we get to collaborate. We get to put our minds together to really help that one individual. And that's from mom. That's from son. That's from his psychiatrist and from me. So now the last call I had with him, he, he he's, he's like, I never knew I could feel like this you know, this depression has been lifted. And I was like, exactly, you've been depressed. So now that that's been addressed, let's keep going. You know, and that's the thing is that the work doesn't end. It's let's remove that next layer. And to me, that's the exciting part of it is that there's always another layer. There's always another element that you can dig in to find yourself. And, you know, I remember when I was like sober for one year, I thought, that's it. I got this. Look at me and it's just the scratching the surface and i remember somebody said this to me if you make a list of what you want in 5 years from now you'd be selling yourself short that still remains the case i you know i when you learn these principles and when you have this roadmap and the right people and the right support and the honesty that you need around you it, it just nothing will ever stop you, right? All the things we run from, you don't have to run from it anymore. You can stand in it and overcome it. And so now I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, shoot, okay, there's that that anxiety. Something's coming up. Okay, time to get back to work. There's, okay, time to take that layer of the onion off and get back to work and see what else I have to learn about myself. So in order to do what I do, I need to be as vigilant in my self-care and in my, you know, I really believe in talking the talk and walking the walk. So, um, and that to me is, you know, is where my heart and my inspiration and my excitement comes from to see like you, I know how you feel. And I was there too. And now look at, there's so much more out there for you, you know, and I can't take that feeling and that vision in myself and put that in another human being, but I can show them the way. And I can hold them so that they can eventually get there themselves. And it's really
1: given me goosebumps. I'm not kidding. Your enthusiasm. This is no surprise to me. Uh, Based on the few minutes, and by the way, everybody, you should understand, Yasmin and I don't know each other. We just met. Mm. But the sense that I'm getting from you, it's really fascinating because uh, the the little philosophy, uh, I don't know, this phrase I've adopted is the older I get, the less I know. Mm. And realizing how much more there is to understand. And Mm. with every client, I'm introduced to yet another layer of complexity. Most of the time, it's new. Every once in a while, it may seem familiar, and every once in a great while, I've been there before. But for me and my background, because it's all mostly about substance issues that I can relate to, but what I'm hearing you say, you get inspired, you get motivated, you get enthusiastic, and
0: that- I can enthusiasm. see it. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't no, sure it's okay. Interrupt you.
1: That's fine. And the key is that you're inspiring others in the family, and that- is infectious that inspiration tell me was there ever a time or an example of something where you were you had your back up against the wall you weren't making progress and suddenly you said or did the right thing or more importantly helped somebody realize or come up with a vision or an inspiration which started them going in the other direction
0: i don't know if i can pinpoint something specific
1: well, then let um, me ask, hold yeah. on. While can you're you thinking. reframe
0: the question? Yeah.
1: was Can you share with us an example of a family or a member or a person with a crisis or a situation where at first you didn't, you, your hand was empty. Yeah. You wanted to fold, but then yes. something came to the surface, which took you in the right direction.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that because as you were speaking, I was thinking about, the other side to that coin, that passion, that inspiration, the fact that I can see it, you know, and this is the part that I, I speak to, you know, my supports and my network that I see the pathway for them to get there. Now, is this my idea for them or is this theirs? I know it's great, but that not might not be what they want. So I, sometimes I tend to trip up over myself and what I see and how powerful that vision is, it's it's not about me and what I think. And I think the times I've got tripped up, I've gotten tripped up is I've gotten wrapped up in the um, the possibilities and the family wasn't ready. They weren't there. So when I find myself working harder than my clients, that's when I have to step back. That's when I feel, that's when I start to sense something's not right because it's not, you know, we are humans. We are, we get affected by these, right. These personalities are, they affect us. We're human. So when I, so there are many times in many personalities or many times with certain personalities that it's, it, it hasn't lined up the way I would have liked it to right off the bat, you know, either because, you know, sometimes men can be threatened by strong women. Um, Sometimes, you know, they don't, they're not ready to hear, they don't want to hear what I have to say. And that's when I have to step back and say, okay, does this family really want help? What are they looking for? And is that, is that me? Am I the right fit? So when I find myself coming up short, I'll be the first one to say, "Okay, listen, let me refer you to other providers because this isn't I I can't give you what you need. Um, And I only keep a handful of clients for that reason, because I really want to be available to my clients as much as they need me to. Um, this disease doesn't sleep. It doesn't, you know, have hours. And in as much as my husband kind of wishes I had hours, I, you know, the, the reason I I take pride in what I do is that I know that they feel secure with me on their side, um, working and thinking and planning solutions that are out of the box, um, that are you know, that nobody else would have thought of. Um, A lot of times people stay in their lanes. Oh, I do this and I work this. I want to push all the lanes aside and say, okay, let's take a blank canvas here. Where do we want to go? And that's where I start with my clients. What are your goals? After I find out their family of origin, I'm like, what are your goals? Because that's what we'll work towards. You know, it's, and that's sometimes when it comes to the therapy, when I'm doing the family work, I'll refer to therapists and I'll talk to the therapist to make sure that the family's moving in the right direction, but I'll lean in and out as I see fit. Like right now I'm working with a family that's in terrible crisis. Their loved one is missing. He has been missing for three weeks. Um, And I had to refer the, the sister out to a colleague of mine and because I was too close. I've been in this crisis with them for three weeks. I couldn't show up as her therapist because I knew that I was really focusing on the, the management of mm. the care and the next steps. And what do we do now? And who's the interventionist? And where's the hospital? And moving all those pieces. I can't lean in as both. Um, so I'm so grateful I have such a profound and tremendous um, group of colleagues and professionals and people I've worked with the best in the country or in the world, I think, actually, I know Um, the fact that these are the people, these are the people I can call and say, hey, listen, I've got this case and they need a great adolescent therapist. Who do you know? This is, and this is how it works. It's like what you said in the beginning. It's great to meet other like-minded professionals because we need each other. We need to be able to support and work with each other so that we can help the, uh, the client and their family and their recovery progress.
1: I'm, it takes a village. It takes a village it is so right. And probably one of the more comfortable, one of the more comfortable elements that you've shared with us tonight is your scope of access to other professionals. Mm. Um, I try to surround myself with people much smarter than me.
0: Mm, me too. It's not
1: just a phrase. It's really something which <laughs> is true. critically important because I'm not really so good at many things. I'm I'm pretty good at a couple of things, but other than that, I can fake it till I make it. But no, I'd rather mm. refer out to somebody who specializes in things like that. And mm. so that's where I would say that if I was to offer, you know, what what's one of the the highest skill sets I have and it'd be my Rolodex Mm -hmm. and knowing who to call to help. Um, so good for you. and,
0: And when you give that phone number out, that's you. That's you saying, like, and that's the response that I take. So even the professionals I work with, I want to know about their personal lives. I want to know about their approach. I want to know about you know, where their integrity is at with the client, how effective. So really, a lot of the people I work with, I know at a personal level as well as a professional level, um, I know where their integrity is because if I'm going to give a family member that I'm working with to someone else. I look at it as my own mother, as my own daughter. And I want to be sure that when I'm handing that to that person to hold and protect, that that's exactly what they're going to do. That They're going to hold and protect them and collaborate so that we can continue moving forward together.
1: Well, clearly I, I, I truly appreciate meeting you. This was Thank really you. very Good for me. It's good. I look forward to the next time we talk. And and trust me, I'll be calling you soon because <laughs> the, the nature in which you approach these things is incredibly comforting to me. Um, I've tried not to jump out of my seat a number of times. You've probably seen me get all excited mm-hmm. because <laughs> I adopted some interesting philosophies, which you, which you, these are, this is who you are. And you, we're not alone. Thank God we're not alone. There's <laughs> I will say that I will compliment you but also compliment a whole regime of thinking. People who when they say you need to think out of the box, I go what box? You know? You know, and I I was trained by a couple of different intervention philosophies and the running joke is, "Oh, which 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 philosophy do you follow?" I go you got me every time I walk in, I got to throw the book out because there's something, a whole new set of situations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I say, if there is one thing that I could say that I'm very good at, it's thinking on my feet. Just, we've learned to be resourceful. We've learned not to get, you know, you you don't back yourself up. You always have options. And Mm -hmm. I get the feeling you, you approach families with this understanding. It's not checkers, but chess. There's Ways to move, which will benefit little later down the road. And we keep people in communication, keep as best we can. Now, there are extenuating circumstances, and I'm dealing with one of them tonight, where it's out of my hands. It's out of the hands of the mm. family. And mm. it's just a, a certain treatment center trying to deal with a particular conundrum. And so I do hope that I'll be able to offer guidance for the facility to overcome this particular issue, my insight may help a little or be no help at all, but at least they'll know that I'm involved. This is a client that I offered to help the family. Mm-hmm. And I made very clear when I first introduced myself to them that it's the whole village here, guys the yeah. daughters, the mom and dad, the son. Well-
0: and, and that's another point is that there's only a handful of treatment centers I would in good conscience refer to. Um, and that's the part is that when you as a family, you're like, okay, I'm in crisis, I need help, or my loved one needs help. You go online, and there's no way to tell the difference between treatment center A and treatment center B. There just isn't. I don't know how people navigate the landscape, the very complicated landscape of addiction treatment and behavioral healthcare treatment without someone to guide them, without someone to say, okay, here are the pros of this center. You know, I had a client who needed to go to an adolescent program. I went to all my resources, got the top five best places, got them on a call with every single person, asked all the questions. We got on a call with each center listed all the, you know, pros, cons. And, you know, I, I tell my families, I'm like, this isn't the answer. It's an option because anybody that's going to tell you that, okay, this is what they need to do. And this is, they're selling you something. We don't know, we don't have a magic ball. All we can do is make informed decisions and pray that it's enough. Um, So, you know, the treatment center, you know, the fact that there isn't more safety, Um, in, and there, you know, it's, it's, I just, I really, there are many times that I'm very, I get very upset about this because there's been many times that I've had families who, um, who've come to me after years, years of wasting resources and time and patience and hope that, you know, I think bad treatment is worse than no treatment at all in my
1: opinion. Well, there's a couple of things that have been going on, and we're getting close to our allotted time. But let me say that Mm -hmm. the treatment industry has been scrutinized like nobody's business. And a few years ago, there was a rush that anybody could hang a shingle. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people got burned. A lot of us in the industry got burned. I belong Mm -hmm. to AIS, the Association of Intervention Specialists. These are people we are nationally certified. Right. not just fly-by-night people who do it on the side. I happen, well, I personally also am a licensed therapist. So I'm using my understanding of the nature of the pathology of the conditions but also helping people to overcome the obstacles of getting folks into treatment. But my biggest asset are my resources. Every single client, I am absolutely going to be reaching out to a friend of mine who I think may have more understanding – Of the set of the cards I have in my hand with this client to get their input and insight because I haven't been to all the facilities. And before COVID, I was bragging about, oh, I never send anybody to a facility I haven't seen personally. Right. Well, come COVID, I stopped traveling. Yeah. And I just started again. So let me just say, I appreciate the manner in which you view things. I am not trying to make you feel more important, or um, what am I trying to say? I, I just appreciate you.
0: Thank you. That's I appreciate very kind. what Thank
1: you, you shared. You're as authentic as the day is long. And I get the feeling that your client base would back you up.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was right. this has been really, like I said, I can go on for hours talking about this <laughs> topic. We'll no doubt
1: have you back. <laughs> Well, you should know that I've only done a handful of these and I don't mind sharing with people that we're starting anew and we're looking for ways to be important and relevant. And one of the ways is to bring really innovative individuals to the surface, people who are outstanding. And I kind of, I don't want to inflate your ego. I like the way in which you present, the manner in which you do business. Thank you. And with that... um, Yasmin Sorte. How do we pronounce your name appropriately?
0: It's Sortie, but I like the way Sorte sounds too.
1: <laughs> Yasmin, my pleasure. How can people reach you? Your stuff will be on the website, but for the audio files, how can people reach you?
0: My information is on our my website, um www.consultyes.com. Yes is actually they're coincidentally my initials, Yasmin Evangelin Sortie. So that's where the yes comes from. But I also believe in the road to yes. So.
1: Wonderful. And um, certainly appreciate it. What's your
0: website again? Um, consultyes.com.
1: Thank you. Your information will be on uh, the show notes. I truly appreciate Thank it. You. But before you go, do you want to shout out to anybody? You want to give somebody a pat in the back, a little recognition?
0: Say yes. hi to mom or something. Well, I'd love, I actually would love to give a shout out to the Karen Renaissance team in Florida. I love them with all my heart. And I love the alumni from Karen Renaissance and Ocean Drive. So if anybody from that network is listening, my heart is still with you guys and I love you forever.
1: Goosebumps, goosebumps. (laughs) I have somebody there right now, swear to God. (laughs) So. On behalf of Yasmin, I'm Howie Marlin. On behalf of everybody at the SoberCast podcast, I truly appreciate your time, and um, be careful out there. Till next time, Howie out. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Sober Podcast. We hope it's been as good for you as it was for us. Please share our show with all of your friends, family, and acquaintances and future encounters so we can grow and make our mission a larger reality. We have a growing social media presence on all platforms, so find us and like us, especially on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're listed in all major podcast directories like Spotify, Google, Apple, and the rest of them. Thank you all who make this show happen. Howie, our host, Carrie, our producer, and our sponsor, The Sober Network.